just fellowship breakfast there, 9 o'clock at Round the Clock. Gentlemen, praise God. Hope to see you there. We're going to turn in our Bibles again to 1 Samuel. Haven't been in 1 Samuel for a little while, and you thought I forgot, but I just want to be led by God. And um, praise the Lord. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel 18. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Samuel 18, feel like the Lord just brought us back for such a time as this. And uh, amazing how many things have already been said uh, before the service and, and here even with these testimonies. God's working. God is working. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for just this time that we've already had, God, in your presence Lord, this time that we've already had, Lord, just loving you and drawing close to you and reaching out to you, God, I'm asking you to help us tonight, Lord, with your word, minister to our hearts, God, give us an ear to hear what your spirit would say to each one of us, God, and Lord, just talk to us again, have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. First Samuel 18, verse 1. It came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him go no more to his father's house. Then... Jonathan David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. We talked about this the other day. Here it is in verse 4. Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was upon him, gave it to David, his garments even to his sword, his bow, and to his girdle. God bless you. You can be seated. We've been, we had spent some time in 1 Samuel and um, I, I just feel like God gave us some very rich messages already in this. This is our sixth. And I'm going to remind you, you say, I'm sure they were, but I don't remember. That was last year. But uh, we started off in the beginning of 1 Samuel. Anybody remember us talking about Hannah and her prayers? That Hannah was barren and had a passion, had a zeal in her prayers to bring forth children for her husband. And we, uh, I feel like we might have had that whiteboard out, tried to show you the connection of the Old Testament natural uh, symbolism that points to New Testament uh, truths in our spirit, and that the church is the bride of Christ. And the church needs to have that same kind of heart, that same kind of passion that says, I, I, I don't want to be barren. I want to bring forth fruit for my, my bridegroom. Amen. I want to be a soul winner. I feel like it is so important to us to realize that he didn't just save us so it, to, to get us to heaven, but he's put us to work. He's got us in a place to to pray and to, to witness and to shine our light and to bear some fruit. You might be right where you are for a season. 
not even like where you are. And you might say, I don't get a chance very often to, to, to ever just say something good about Jesus. Say something about maybe an invitation to church. But you're bearing fruit. Amen. Well, you ought to be bearing fruit. They need to see something in you. Praise God that they can see Jesus. They can see something in you. I was just talking here recently with someone talking about how, you know, we always say the darker the times, the darker the night, the brighter the light is. And I feel like there's times where people say, oh, you know what, it's harder and harder, and that just sounds like i got to work harder. No, just your little light will shine so easily in a dark generation. I'm telling you, the very, uh, you need to burn brightly for Jesus, don't get me wrong. But every bit of kindness, every bit of of being a brother, a good neighbor, a a, a friend, is going to just, it's going to blow people's minds. Because of all the hate and all the evil that they see around them. It shouldn't be hard for you to be noticed that you're different. Bible says the love of many is waxing cold in the day today. And you see it and so do I. Oh, we oughtn't be casual. We oughtn't be carefree. We need to get on our knees and say, God, shine through me. God, use me. God, let me be somebody that uh, that is a witness for you. They can see something in me that they desire. I know it doesn't shock you to tell you that I've had some pretty straightforward conversations with people already. And one of them, I remember telling somebody, the man, they were telling me all about just doctrine and, and and Christian history. They just seemed like they were, uh, and they were seeing some things that that what we believed and what we were teaching in the Word of God. And they were kind of noticing that there's a lot of a lot of times that would come up in their studies and things. And and uh, but we got down to some pretty serious talk. And I said, let me ask you a question. So things in his life, he was just justifying things in his life. He was saying, you know, uh, you know, God's grace and God's love. And I said, yeah, but let me ask you, are you living in a place that anybody would say, I want what you've got? We have a responsibility for our God. We are ambassadors. We are representing somebody that you work with needs to see you got something better than they do. Amen. You can't just be on and off and up and down and moody and that you gotta have something that's real. Well, we're gonna get if we don't keep moving, we're gonna just be on Hannah the rest of the day, but uh, the rest of the evening at least. Uh number two, we talked about Eli. Remember that? Talked about Eli, he was a high priest in that day, and he was backslid. And his sons were backslid. And uh Things seemed horrible. And in some senses, they were. Praise the Lord. If you're waiting to live for God under ideal circumstances, let me tell you something. You're not going to have that opportunity till you get to heaven to see things perfect. You're going to have to deal with some things. You're going to have to get familiar with adversity. Amen. And there was a woman that was given birth at that time, one of... Eli's, well, it was Eli, one of Eli's son's wife, and she made the proclamation that the glory of the Lord had departed. 
But the fact of the matter was, God was getting ready to change things and bring, bring the people of God to a better place. Sometimes when you're looking at circumstances and saying it's hopeless, saying it's horrible, getting focused on all the things that are going wrong, hey, wait a minute, God's getting ready to do something good. God's got a plan in your life, and He has not forgotten you, and He's working even in those horrible circumstances. You keep trusting Him. I know that's not easy, and you're not shouting me down tonight, but that's all right. I'm telling you, God's working even in the dark hours of the night. God's working in your storm. God's working in your battle. And God's working in your trial. Amen. Praise God. We talked about how when the ark was taken away, our third lesson was about the Philistines' God, the Dagon. Praise the Lord. And uh, and we talked about God is bigger than your challenger. His, Bigger than every challenge that you face. He's bigger than that. When the Philistines then came and, and uh, thought that they had the upper hand, nobody gets victory over God. Amen. Their God doesn't stand a chance. And I'm telling you today, your standing brother already said, praise God, if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. God's going to take care of us. And then uh, we talked about Samuel was number four. And Samuel was that leader that God moved Eli out and moved Samuel in. And Samuel was a man of God that was faithful to God. He, I don't know that he really could win any popularity contests, but he was popular with God, and that's what mattered. And the one point that we made in that that I felt like God was working with me and working through me in that more than anything was that the Bible says God didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. That Samuel was a man that that God took what he said seriously. Not like Lot. Amen. Remember Lot said, hey, God, God appeared to me. His angels came by and they thought he was joking. Yeah, right. Yeah, God spoke to you. But Samuel, remember I told you the other day, God said, you bind it on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Samuel was a man that he didn't just, just you, you didn't know when to take him seriously. You didn't know whether he was, he, he was, uh, oh, he said what he meant, meant what he said. Amen. And, uh, and God said, none of his words fall to the ground. Wow. I, I think there's so much more importance to what we speak than so many people really understand. Amen. The Bible talks about that little member of the tongue. Compares it to the helm of a ship that directs that ship. Amen. Hallelujah. You can direct your life in a in a path that is that is going away from the will of God. Power of life and death is in your tongue. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not talking about being flaky. I'm not talking about, but I'm talking about staying with the, what is truth and what God said about the matter. Amen. And then the last time we talked, I didn't see, look at what date it was, but we talked about King Saul. And King Saul had such a great start. 
He was looking out for the little guy. He was defending the weak. He was humble. He developed a relationship with the man of God, with Samuel. He had a close-knit relationship. with. He, was, he had so many good things going for him. Amen? But Saul had too much pride in him. Saul did not, could not just fully submit and surrender to the will of God. He was more worried about people's feelings about him than what God, than his integrity, really. He started out so good. He started out seeming like he was going to take things in a good direction. But after a while, he was more concerned with, with his reputation than the will of God. Well, just like Eli was being moved off the scene and and Samuel moved on the scene and and God was working in that God hadn't forsaken Israel when Saul was their leader and Saul just couldn't be he wasn't reliable it seemed like he had some good things going, but, but when it came down to it, he could not be trusted. And God said, I'm going to put somebody in that position who's a man after my own heart. And what we see in the Word of God after 40 years of Saul reigning, that now he's starting to deal and anoint a young man named David. And the greater part of the rest of the book of first Samuel is gonna gonna focus on David and into second Samuel and you're gonna we're gonna see probably especially in our Old Testament uh, outside of in the whole Bible really outside of Jesus you're not going to see a more maybe intimate look at a character in the Word of God in fact outside of the name Jesus the name David is in the Bible more than any other name and you see David and and very, very detailed accounts of his victories, of a lot of the decisions he made in his rise to the throne, as well as when he was a king, as well as his failures and how he uh, handled those. So much of David's life is such a type, a shadow of Jesus. He uh, shared with somebody having a Bible study just this morning. Talked about how David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Anybody remember that? David danced with all his strength in the presence of God. And it, it blesses me, I told this Young man, as we are in the Word of God, I said, as I share this with you, I just, I just cover with goosebumps. It's just thrilling to me. Because David was a king. And you'll see through the Psalms and that he is also referred to in from the New Testament of his prophecies, his prophetic office. He was a king, but he was also a prophet. And when you see him dancing before the Lord as the ark is brought into Jerusalem and his wife is despising him, and uh, it talks about him putting on an ephod. That's a priestly garment. You say, why did he put on this priestly garment? Well, we don't really have a lot of details, but let me tell you something that we do know. 
that as he was in that moment of joy and dancing and praise unto God, what a great time to reveal Jesus, that he was manifesting or showing uh, the roles of prophet, priest, and king, which is exactly what Jesus would be. Hallelujah, that he would be our high priest. He would be our king of kings. He would be all those things that, that the prophet that, that Moses spoke of and prophesied of, that you're not going to believe me, but there will be a prophet one day. And that's Jesus. Amen. And it's all manifested in that time where he's shouting and dancing and, and, uh, and humbling himself. It's Jesus. And on and on and on. As a shepherd and a king. Amen. And that Jesus would be called the son of David over and over and over again. We see David very, very intimately throughout first and second Samuel. Um, And we, through the book of Psalms, opens up another aspect of his heart and his emotion in his praise and in his sorrow, in his victories and in his failures. But what I want to spend time specifically on, and this was kind of in my heart before, before we ever talked about Hannah, knowing so much of David's life and how rich it is, and his leadership, that he led like Jesus. So much of his, his understanding is not a, a lording over God's people, but shepherding them. Amen? And that's, that's godly leadership that we all need to understand in our area of life. But the one thing that is amazing is that David, like every time, everything that you see in the Word of God, David was not just a one-man show. That David had friends. And a lot of times, if, uh, if I would start naming some of these men in his life that helped him and even sisters that that are are amazing helps to him you might say i don't know if i remember who that is but we're going to look at some of these and not only just see what david did and how he represented jesus and how we can see how we could be more like jesus through david's example but that there are those in his life men and women that we will see that that were there helping and, 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 and strengthening him. And, and, and can I tell you, without the body, without the fellowship, without one another, we will never, two are better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. This Bible, if it tells you anything, once you see somebody saying, oh, everybody's backslidden, I nobody knows God like I know it, and I have more of a burden than anybody, that's pride. Now, God is going to put you around people. And let me tell you about people. Nobody's perfect. Not me, not you. Praise the Lord. It's funny to me. Not, not something I laugh about, but strange funny. <laughs> people have a, a very easily say, hey, I, I'm going to just pick you apart, preacher, and tell you all the problems I see in you. And they've, I've had people just real good at that. I said, you know what? If you've got time, I can tell you something you missed things I'm praying about, struggling with. Yeah, sure, I can help you out with that. Hey, do you have time for me to say what I see in you? Oh, that's not what we're here for? Okay, I'm sorry. 
I won't interrupt. You're just here to be mean. Is that what it is? Rather than because if you're helping me, I don't feel that help, and I can help you. See, we you can pick anybody apart. And there are some people, I'll tell you, I've seen them. I know what I'm talking about. They come to church. Every preacher's got a problem. You're right. You're not dumb. You're right. You see problems. They could do better here. They could do better there. But what you have is a mistrust of ministry. And you're going to have a hard time being saved. And then you find out everybody else around you, that one that's praising God, oh, they just want attention. And that one that's testifying, oh, they, they, they don't really mean that. And you're so good at seeing all through all the lies. But you know what? That's not a child of God, the way a child of God is. And people are imperfect. But you're not going to make it without the, the friends that God puts in your life. Amen. I want to talk to you about that. Because, well, we're going to take it a step at a time. We're talking about Jonathan. Jonathan was a friend to David. And I want to say it this way. Not only do I want to learn how we can be better friends to one another, help to one another, but I want to be a friend to Jesus like Jonathan was a friend to David. James 2.23 says the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Isn't that amazing? I love you hear me say this often how Jesus talked to his disciples in the book of John. said, I call you no longer servants, but I call you friends. Hallelujah. I know why I call him a friend. He's been a friend to me. Let, let me tell you something. I'm going to kind of get a little bit ahead of myself. I know why I call him a friend because he's been friendly to me. But if he wants to look at me as his friend, I'm going to have to return the favor. Say, well, I wish I had a friend. Well, I'll tell you how to get a friend. The Bible tells us how to do it. you got to be a friend. Say, oh, it's not fair. I don't have close, good friends. you got to be a good friend to get good friends. Sadly, there's certain kind of behaviors that are going to draw you to the wrong kind of friends. And we're going to see it after a little while. One of David's own sons had a friend. Led him. Jonadab, Amnon had a friend and uh, caused his, his, uh, his destruction. Help us, God. Story of David is very amazing, but sometimes we're not very familiar with his friends. And hallelujah. We've got to ask ourselves this question. What kind of friend am I? Am I a good friend? What does that mean? Praise the Lord. Be brutally honest with yourself. What does it mean? I thank God for good friends. Amen. But I'll tell you something. It's, it's easy to say it. It's nothing to be honest with yourself. Praise God. Help us, Lord. I really believe. I was really seeking God once and just thinking, God, how, how can I do more? How can I, you know, the, and, and God always just brings me back to that simplicity. Those, those bottom line statements that are in the Bible that you can just take for granted, but there's, there's so much there that I'll tell you, if you really take it seriously, you'd be praying a lifetime and more just being able to get as much out of it as you can. And you know, when you look at when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm asking God, help me. How do I, how can I love my neighbor? How can I, how, how can I be a Christian? How can I, how can I be just everything you want me to be? And 
And he, and he told me one day, try to be the best friend you can be. And I started thinking about what does that mean? What does that mean to people that I run across? And can I tell you what I've found? I have found a world that has been hurt, people that have been mistreated and abused that need that. I'm not talking about, I've said, Lord, I don't want to be that used car salesman that puts out a, a front that says that I care about you if you come to church. Amen. Like I'm selling something. I'm not trying to build a, build a church. I'm trying to be a Christian and be, be what God wants me to be. So you've got to ask yourself that. We read in our text that Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Praise God. And he, we talked about this earlier, and we're going to go over this again and then move on. But Jonathan's expression of that love, where he, he takes off his outer garment, takes his weapons and lays them down, takes off all that, that, that he can defend himself with, takes everything away that he can fight with, and lays at the feet of David. Well, something's happening here that is so valuable if we can understand it. I remember hearing people talk about relationship, did a lot of study years ago because I, I knew that all I understood growing up was being having dysfunctional relationships and, and just screaming and yelling and all that goes along with that. And I didn't know where to go or how to do it. I prayed and read the Word of God and tried to get as much literature, tried to get as much understanding of people that I felt like maybe I could get something from, maybe glean something from, to, to understand what's it mean? What in the world is a healthy relationship? And what is a healthy marriage? What is a healthy home, Christian home? And, and I, I poured myself into that because I wanted that. My, my family is broken, and, and each one of my, my parents divorced, remarried some multiple times. My wife, the same. Um, I didn't really have a close relationship with some of my family. My wife, the same. And I don't want to get into all that, but, but it, was, it was a void in my life. And, and I, I wanted to have a, a godly, healthy relationship. 35 years later, I hope we can do it. I hope we can do it. But so far, it seems like it's going all right. Amen? But we haven't stopped working on it. Hallelujah. But one thing I heard somebody say one time, and and I feel like it's very true scripturally. They said there's different levels of relationship. You know, you kind of have that, hey, what's going on? How you doing? I don't really expect you to answer that, so please don't. Keep on walking. You know, kind of an acquaintance kind of thing, small talk. And then you have different levels after that. I don't have them written down. I'm not trying to teach a psychology lesson of any kind. But you have different levels of people that you let in a little bit closer to your heart. And the deepest level of of the closest you can be to another human being is really this level of vulnerability. It's when you can be weak around somebody. It's when you can be so real and that's what Jonathan was kind of showing to David. I, I'm not fighting you. You know, so many times you talk to people and you mean right. You don't mean to say anything that's going to hurt them. You don't mean, but, but hurts there nonetheless. And people are touchy and defensive. But when you have somebody, you don't have to walk on eggshells. 
You don't have to worry about if I talk to you, even if I say it wrong, you're not going to, you, you know, I would never say anything to hurt you. So there's no conflict. There's no anger there. You can just be vulnerable. You know, no matter how much you love somebody, you're not going to put everything into perfect words. Amen. Your communication is weak. So is mine. Everybody, we just do our best and are misunderstood. How many, how many times a day? Maybe you're better at it than me, but it's not just daily. It's several times a day where it's just up to I'm my best. But there doesn't have to be a conflict because, you know, I, I didn't mean anything by it. But, you know, when you're, oh, you, what did you mean by that? I, I think you were trying to, that's not, when you just let that go, say, I know. I know you wouldn't hurt me to save your life. You'd give. And, and so in that, I can be comfortable, even in mistakes. I'm not saying you don't ever ups, get upset, but, but this idea of just constantly just reading into things, suspicious about this, it's, there's a deeper walk with that. And the fact that that is so uncommon, it is. You're not going to have that with a lot of people. It's not expected for you to just be have that with everybody. But you ought to have a friend. You ought to have a somebody that 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 you you can be that kind of that level of just uh not worried about it. I feel safe around you. I know that what I say isn't gonna be taken somewhere and and just uh you're gonna hurt me with it. You're my friend. That's the kind of level, if you're, going to, if you're really going to have a relationship with God, I, I don't want to sound harsh, but you don't have a good relationship with God if you can't get vulnerable. Amen. Just like Jonathan laid that. When you're, you're not scared to death, you can just obey God. God, I know you don't mean anything, but you know, sometimes I don't always understand what you're doing. I'm not going to get mad at you. You love me. I, I'm not going to fight. Amen. I got to lean on you today. Amen. I'm not fighting you. I'm not going to be defensive. You know, when people come to church and they get so mad, they get so angry at the preacher and so angry. Like, and and, and I, I, it blows my mind sometimes, to be honest with you. I feel like people, oh, I can't believe you said it. And I think, do you really think I want to hurt your feelings? It's kind of like a child with their parents. They think they must stay up all night giggling and laughing, coming up with ways to make my life miserable. Oh, let's let's put this rule on them. Let's say this about them. Well, really, they'll think they don't hate you, and God loves you. God's not. But what what are you afraid of? What are you running from? What are you fighting against? Amen. It's uh, God help us. I'm so thankful. You know, some people think everybody's like that. You think, well, I'm just like everybody else. I just weaken that way. No, no, there's people that really get into coming to church and like, hey, God's my friend. That preacher's my friend. I'm not worried about anybody else. You can go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Say whatever you want to say. I'm just going to keep loving Jesus. I'm just going to keep on serving him. Just like David was dancing before the Lord, we talked about it with all his might. Didn't his wife said, oh, look at the fool you made of yourself, parading yourself out there in front of all those ladies out there. I know what you're doing. He said, ah, you watch me next time. I'm not afraid of you and what you think about me. I'm not going to be intimidated. Hallelujah. When you can get vulnerable before God, God can help you. 
mentioned the other days, young man testifying, Brother Kane talking about, when you can just be able to say, you know what, I do have things to work on. God, what do you need me to work on today? You know how many people I've seen, oh, you're saying I have something to work on? Yeah, oh, I just, I can't believe you're picking and pointing it. No, I do too. Just, it'd be all right. You make such a... Why you got to make a big deal out of it? I'm not making a big deal out of anything. Just trying to help people get closer to God. I, I, always, I always feel like I've heard that so many times. Why is it about to be a big deal? What's a big deal? Getting close to God? I guess it is a big deal, but I'm not saying it to hurt anybody. Why would I want to do that? What kind of life would it be? I wonder... I always think what kind of person... Do you think it would take to stand up and just pick on people and hurt people and try to run you off? I've had people say, well, you're getting what... I had a man one time come to me and say, well, you're going to get it now. You're finally going to get what you wanted. I thought, oh, wow. It's fine. And it, it's, my heart just melted. I, oh, I thought for sure, oh, you're just going to finally break down and make get, get serious with God? Yep, I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. What? <laughs> That's what you thought I was aiming for what kind of person would it be to stand in a pulpit and want that it's just odd to me i want to see everybody helped i got nobody nobody in my heart that i wouldn't love to see march through that front door and just get right with god hallelujah when you can be vulnerable you're not always on the defense you you can't you won't you won't really get Anywhere with God until you lay down your arms. Lay down that, that combative attitude. Lay down all that, 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 that trying to and just, just say, okay, God, it's me. It's me. It's not them. It's me. It's not you, God. It's me. I need that. If you're going to be a friend of God, like Jonathan was to David, you've got you to gotta be vulnerable. And that's not easy. You say, that's not easy for me, Pastor. That's not easy, period. But it's necessary. That is the, really the, the, the definition of being humble, broken, surrendered, is being vulnerable, saying, hey, if, if, if you want to fight with me, I can't fight back. I just gave you my sword. I just gave you my bow. I gave you the, the belt that I have that holds those in place. I, I have nothing to fight with. I'm not fighting. Just, you're going to have to help me. And that's, that's where we come to God and say, God, have thine own way. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 20. First Samuel 20. A lot of people shouting and praising and believing some good things about the Word. But until you can get broken in his presence and really surrender in vulnerability, you're not as close to him as you need to be. Hallelujah. Help us to do it, God. He wants that kind of friendship. You know, there's some things, uh, before I move on, there's some things in this Bible that God asks of people that aren't commandments so much. But just... Things that seem like a lot. Abraham was a friend of God. Take your son up to Mount Moriah. What? Who would ask that of anybody? Abraham said, all right. God, I trust you. 
You're not going to hurt me. You're, you're, not, you're going to be faithful. Amen. I could take you place after place where people who were vulnerable with God, he, he would test that. They'd say, you know what, God? You would never hurt me. You're going to be good to me, and I trust you, and I will walk that path. Amen. God help us to trust him that much. 1 Samuel 20, verse 31. For as long as the son of Jesse... Now, this is Saul talking to Jonathan. And the son of Jesse, well, that's David. David's not king yet. But Saul is full of the devil. And Saul hates David. Because he sees in David what he should have. And David's willing to pay the price, but Saul isn't. And Jonathan is standing and talking to his dad, saying, what's wrong? David is just, he's got nothing but good intentions for this kingdom. He cares about you. He, he respects you as his king. He's, go, he's loyal to you. But Saul is just so proud and full of the devil. It says, as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore, now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said unto him, what? Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? Let me tell you something about Jonathan that made him such a valuable friend. What Saul was saying to his son Jonathan is, you know you're in line to be king. This throne belongs to you when I die. But the will of God was that David would be king. That anointing was already on David. That was the will of God and Jonathan recognized it when Saul wouldn't. Saul saw it, but he wouldn't admit it. Jonathan had every right to the throne, to the palace, to the crown. Amen? But God had already said, I found a man after my own heart. And Jonathan was not threatened by that. Jonathan said, it's not about my crown, it's about David. And we have to have an attitude that says, it's not about my glory, it's about his glory. It's not about my place, it's about his place. It's not about what I want and what I can get, it's about him and his name. Oh, I love it. Praise God. We quoted it just here recently in prayer. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory is what it says. And we've got to recognize it's not about us. Not a lot of people do. Read about it. Paul, in his last letter, we were talking about how he was lonely in the end. He said, all men seek their own. I got no one with me. He looked at ministers. He looked at pastors. He looked at churches. He looked at people that he established. And he said, they're in it for them. This is something that I feel like so often I struggle alone with because I see ministries and, and people, oh, wow, that's powerful. That's pride. Oh, wow, he's bold in the word. He's arrogant. He's building himself up. He's got his own. And I'm telling you what. Oh, I'm not saying there are plenty of faithful 
people in the in the ministry, faithful people in churches. I'm not saying they're not there. Praise God. Don't ever hear, think you're hearing me say that. But so often the ones that are getting the notoriety, I'm saying, oh, Lord, look at them, God. They're, they're, they're in this for their reputation. God help us. We can't just see through some of that. It's so obvious sometimes. I, I think it's, sometimes it just it, it makes me sick to my stomach see people being played. Amen. Thank God for those that have a heart to minister and serve and love. Amen. Jonathan was next in line, but he was more concerned with the plan of God and how God's will was than how it affected him. He was saying, i got to get something out of this. He was saying, God, you do your will, and I'll be happy about that. David gets that crown, gets that throne. I'll be so excited. I just want to do my part. That's saying a lot. Talking about a crown, talking about a throne, talking about a place, the highest seat in the kingdom of God. And Jonathan said, David, you're my friend. David, this is about God's will and God's got his hand on your life. And when you get to the house of God and say, God, let your will be done. Let your will be done. I want you to be glorified. I want you to have honor. I want you to be the, the head. I want you to be, to, to be exalted. And I want to do everything I can. And, and there's times where God makes it clear. God will bless you and God will... God will just give you great opportunities to do things for him. But there's times where he'll just say, hey, this, he'll remind you, this is about me. It's not about you. And you've got to be great with that. You've got to say, God, that's what it's been all along. Amen. It, it's not about your reputation. It's about his reputation. It's not what people think about you. It's what people think about him. Jonathan was, was a good friend to David because he was able to say, I don't need to be king. I just want to see the will of God work in you. And he would be excited about that. I want to be a friend like that to Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, let me show you the verse that we didn't read. So verse 32, we read, it says, Jonathan answered his father and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? Why do you want to kill David? You remember David was sent in. Saul, the Bible says... The Spirit of the Lord departed from him. And an evil spirit. God God pulled the walls down. Sent an evil spirit to him. To, to, to vex him. To trouble him. Praise God. You let your walls down. Praise God. You, you, you're going to be vulnerable to the wrong spirit. And that's what happened to, to Saul. And and Bible says that David would come in and play his harp and sing some of the psalms that he wrote and it would it would uh soothe his his spirit and and uh it's sad because that temporary deliverance so to speak wasn't enough he needed to get right with god you get around worship you can get around praise you get around the presence of god and feel some relief but it's another thing altogether when you say i'm going to submit to it surrender and yield to god repent of my sins get right with god then you can be delivered. Amen. Well, praise God. Maybe we'll preach on that sometime soon, but that's good nonetheless. But uh, 
David would come in and start playing his harp, and that spirit would leave him. But every now and then, something would get back on to Saul. What would he do? He'd grab his javelin, grab his spear, and try to throw it through David into the wall. Try to kill him with it. Amen? And so you'll see David, you know, dodging javelins, dodging spears to save his life from his king that he was faithful to. David didn't have an easy life. So uh, it says, why, Jonathan says, why should he be slain? What did he do? Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. Well, I guess so. He, he's, he's, saying, he's telling David, there's no way he would tell me if he's going to kill you. He's not going to do it. So Jonathan goes in before his father Saul and says, why, did he, why do you want to kill him? Why? What has he ever done to you? And that, that evil spirit on Saul goes and tries to kill his son the same way he's trying to kill David. I'll well, tell you something about living for God. They hated him. They hated Jesus. And he said, they'll, they hate the master, they'll hate his servants. Sometimes, when you're doing your best to live for God, oh, it stirs up the devil. Amen. It, and you can go ahead. Hey, listen to me, some of you. I know how it is. You get carnal. They see a walk with God in your life. They see it, that blessing, that anointing on you. They can feel it, and that spirit can feel it. Amen. And they come against you. Don't you get carnal. Don't you start getting frustrated and angry and wrestling against flesh and blood. You take that high road. You trust God with it. Because sometimes you're taking it personal. And it's not about you. It's about the Spirit of God in you that they hate. Amen. Now, if you're walking around being an idiot, (laughs) you know, then that's not... I've, I've seen some obnoxious people saying, oh, people hate me because I'm a Christian. Uh, <laughs> nah, well, maybe maybe we can have one of those talks someday. <laughs> because there's a, But if you're just loving God and loving people, there, there's going to be a, a battle. Amen. You're going to have the javelin thrown at you. But like God told Samuel, they don't hate you. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. Amen. What's happening here is Jonathan, his only crime was standing up for David. Amen? And now Saul is trying to kill him. Listen, you live for God. It's not going to be easy. There are going to be spiritual battles. Bob was talking about it already. Praise God about that. The enemy just seeing that life you're living. And that enemy gets stirred up in other people. Amen. You'd be surprised how many backsliders are out there. Amen. You'd be surprised how many people said, I had that, but I, I sold out to sin. And they're angry with themselves, but they're going to try to press your buttons. Amen. They're going to try to prove to themselves you don't really have it for real. You show them you got it for real. You show them what you got is stronger than what they have. Amen. You show them you've got the power of God in you that's not going to cause you to get carnal. Oh, hallelujah. When they hate him, they attack you. But you know what it says in the book of Luke, 6th chapter? 
Just quoted this earlier today to somebody going through a trial. Luke 6.22 says, Blessed are ye. What? When men shall hate you. Was Jesus telling the truth? But I don't feel blessed when people hate me. Can I tell you something about me? I don't like being hated. I honestly think some people think, oh, pastor just deals with that all the time. I've had people tell me already, man, I told my family, nobody's hated as much as him. I've had people hate him on his job. I had a foreman that was going to church and he told his wife, he said, nobody, I've never seen anybody hated more than, than Mel. I was like, well, I don't know if I'm excited about that. <laughs> but, uh, but God said you're blessed. And I don't like people. Oh, he don't, he don't mind. He goes through that all the time. I don't, I still don't like it. I like having friends. Amen. People say, oh, don't worry about it. I, I don't like it. I really wish everybody was my friend. I really do. You say, well, that's no way for a preacher. I'm not going to get my wishes. Not my goal. But I don't. I really don't like being disliked. That's just a battle you got to have to fight and say, you know what? That's all right. I don't. I don't feel blessed. Is what I'm saying with that. But guess what? I don't feel blessed. But Jesus said I am blessed. So I must be blessed. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. And when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. That's important. So when they're telling lies about you, when they're tearing you down, when they're pushing people, I've had people say, oh, I can't believe you don't fellowship with me anymore. I didn't, I didn't walk away. Amen. I didn't stop calling. I didn't stop visiting that. Amen. I'm still serving God. Well, praise God. You want to? I'm all, I'm here like I always was. Amen. Hallelujah. But when they separate you from their company, praise God. They hate you. They reproach you. Cast out your name as evil. Rejoice, ye in that day. Wow. I think I preached a message here not too long ago. I preached it down in Vicksburg, Mississippi, for Brother Parkson's church. The choice to rejoice. You've got to make a choice to recognize, hey, I'm blessed no matter what they say. You've got to take your focus and put it on the reason you're living the way you're living when they're trying to do everything they can to pull you down. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when you're separated from their company. I, oh, they don't, he doesn't get our jokes. She doesn't like our stories. Hey, guess what? I'm blessed today because of Jesus. I, I like what I'm living. I don't want what I had. Rejoice ye in that day and what? Leap for joy. Hallelujah. Too many people in church that are living for God when it's easy. And then when it gets tough... I don't know. Where's your faith? Where's your confidence in God? Where's your, where does it all go? I don't feel blessed, but I'm blessed. I'm hurt when people lie about me, but I'm blessed. And I'll make a choice to rejoice in that day. I'm not going to allow the devil to take my victory. I'm not going to allow the devil to say, oh, look at that. Tell him, how's your day? It's awful. My day is terrible. No, it's terrific. It's awesome. Amen. I'm loving what I'm living for God because the devil's a liar. Amen. 
Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. That's a choice. You got to make that choice. Hallelujah. That's faith. You say, I don't want to fake it. I'm not talking about faking. I'm talking about faith. Faith that says, I make a decision to know and put my focus on the promises of God and what God's done for me. Is that easy? No. Praise God. Is it a battle? Yes. Praise God. For behold, look at this. Your reward in he- is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers under the prophets. People, people who are children of the devil, their fathers did it to the prophets. Amen. People who hate God, people that are against God, people are trying to justify their own lives. Amen. You're light, just like Cain and Abel. Praise God. Abel wasn't an evil man. Abel didn't do Cain wrong. But Abel did right, and that light shined up and showed off the darkness and the sin of Cain. So what did he do? He tried to put that light out. That's what they do. That's what they did to Jesus. That's what Saul was trying to do to David and then to Jonathan. And when you love Jesus like Jonathan loved David... Praise God, the devil's going to be angry with you. People that are going to be angry with you, but you keep on living for God nonetheless. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I want to be a friend. Friend of God. Friend that is vulnerable in His presence. God doesn't have to walk on eggshells. When I read his word, I'm not trying to weasel out of it and try to find a loophole. When I'm getting preached to, when God's trying to talk to my heart one way or another, I say, God, go ahead and here's the target right on my heart. Talk to me. Deal with me. I, I'm okay with that. I know you're trying to help me. I want to I be vulnerable. I'm not trying to put up a fight. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to run. I'm not trying to hide. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want to be a friend like Jonathan was a friend. I'm not worried about my reputation, God. Some kind things were said tonight. To God be the glory. There's going to be times when kind things aren't being said. To God be the glory. I'm just going to keep loving God, living for God. Appreciate encouragement. There's a lot of times we go through hard times because the javelins are flying. It's going to be all right. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight who's saying, I want to be a friend. I want to be faithful. I want to be that one God can count on. I want to be that one. Here I am, send me. I want to be that one, Lord. Even in the tough times, Lord, it's about your glory. It's about your glory, God. It's about you. Jesus' name. Excited when Jesus came into town. 
difficult. They changed their tune. What about you? What about you? God's been faithful, friend, to you. Can we be faithful, friends, to him?